0: Party on Todd Party on Sal Rock on Rock on Rock on Welcome back podcasters to another episode of the Party on Johncast A podcast about theology, what we're drinking, music, and various topics Heck yeah Heck yeah This is uh, Reverend Sal Samarco, I'm a validated ministry in the Presbytery of Newton, PCUSA uh, In the validated ministry of healthcare chaplaincy in the town of Newton
1: And I am the Irreverent Rockin' Reverend Can I even say it that way? Uh, Well, the Rockin' Reverend We'll just go with the rocker Rockin' Reverend uh, Todd Laddick Uh, I am uh, an ordained elder In the United Methodist Church of Greater New Jersey Serving a congregation in the town of Newton uh, On higher ground than Sal It's the only higher ground I give them Of course, it's God who gives it to me But who's, you know, splitting hairs (laughs) (laughs) That's right
0: Preordained. Preordained. So we uh, we are on location today.
1: We are on location. We're at the Newton Sports Bar and Kitchen. Now that may sound like a new place, and it is sorta, kinda, a new place, but it is not because it is exactly where the Barrel House was. And if you remember when we did the oh crap episode, we did that live from the Barrel House. Well, this is the same establishment. Uh, New owners bought it, but all of, or at least most of the uh, the main old crew are here, including Becky. Hi, Becky. Hi, Becky. And so, um, so we're here uh, enjoying ourselves, and we figured we'd be out in community like we like to do every now and again every now and then. so here we are so rock on So we've been been here, but we haven't been here. We've been here, but we haven't been here. And what I would say is, if you have been to the Barrel House and you like the Barrel House, don't avoid the Newton Sports Bar and Kitchen for fear that it's something different or something new. Because, well, it is something different and something new, but it's something the same all
0: at the same time. New but but the same. New but the same. I was going to say new but different, but it's not new but different. Yeah. It's new but the same. New but the same. Yeah. Yeah. Rock on. Or... Yeah, new but the same. Rock on! Yeah. So if you're in Sussex County, New Jersey, or Northern New Jersey, come out and support local local business. Absolutely. They uh, support us, and I ab- want you to support them.
1: Absolutely, and um, and uh, so yeah, uh, this this is a, a really community minded place. Uh, Becky um, uh, uh, Becky, who who owns the Barrel House, is still here. Um, um, managing, I hope I'm getting that right But managing the, uh, the uh, Newton uh, Sports Bar and Kitchen on Spring Street And uh, we couldn't be in a better place right now So yeah,
0: so you'll, you'll hear the background noise We are in an active establishment So yeah.
1: yeah, rock on Rock on, so here we are uh, Which, that brings us to our he segment Hey Todd Hey, Sal. How
0: do you know that God loves beer? How do you know that God loves beer? Because he wrote about it in the book of Hebrews. But wait a second. Are we drinking beer? We aren't. Hey, Sal. What's come over?
1: Todd. You know how uh, hard liquor came about? How's that, Todd? Jesus was walking across the water one day and he saw his disciples frightened as the waves were rising above them and about to sink their boat. And in an effort to calm the seas, he he said something, but it came out wrong. He said, peace, be stills. And the water turned into liquor. Liquor. And then he said, peace, be stills. And it calmed down, and everybody was happy. It was a win-win. And then they had drinks together. Then they had drinks together. So, on that note, what are you drinking, Sal? <clears throat> so I'm drinking a
0: Presbyterian. <laughs> How... Presbyterian, Presbyterian of, of you. <laughs> for those of you who don't, who don't know what a Presbyterian is, it is um, scotch, ginger ale, and a douse small shot of um, seltzer
1: water. And a small shot of seltzer water. Sounds good. And, and did, did that get done well by Michelle for you? It got
0: done very well.
1: I'm not sure where Michelle is, but she'll be around and we'll
0: uh, give her John a shout Walker out. Black, ginger ale, and awesome. water.
1: And I am having a, what was formerly the Barrel House Manhattan, which I reviewed on the last episode that we were here, uh, the O oh Crap episode. I'm having what's now called a Barrel Aged Manhattan. Ooh, subtle switch. It's
0: subtle subtle. But it's
1: the same exact drink, and it is glorious on this blustery... end of february day
0: these drinks will definitely warm our cockles they will warm our cockles
1: my cockles are feeling quite warmed yes i'm
0: feeling strangely warmed (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: uh, awesome so i guess that that kind of uh leads us into our most excellent music segment (laughs)
0: <laughs> still, it's still a lot every
1: time Todd does that. I, I can only do things with the full passion of my heart. That's
0: right. <laughs> do everything with passion. So this is our most excellent music section. Uh, you want to go first with your music selection today?
1: Okay, I'm glad to go first. So, um, basically, I am a DC Comics fan. Uh, like nut, like I'm, I love DC Comics. I'm a, a member of DC Universe, uh, and so I'm very excited because DC has kind of been on the the underbelly of films and things like that for a long time. I mean, I like the films, but they always get panned and are just not well considered by other, by a lot of others. And everybody's gravitates toward Marvel. But DC, as of late, has really been notching it up. They have their own subscription service. Uh, they actually had it before Marvel had theirs. Of course, Marvel has theirs through Disney Plus. But um, but uh, so they've been coming out with a whole lot of like original content and stuff. But now they came out with a movie called Birds of Prey. Which is uh, about um, the huntress, about Black Canary, and uh, and, the, and um, I forget the other uh, Montoya's. Uh, I forget her first name, but Montoya, the, the detective, come together and they form this like super group. And uh, and then of course in this Birds of Prey is the um, Harley Quinn. You know she. It, it, so the name of the title of the movie is. Birds of Prey the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn so it's it's basically intersecting the story of the Birds of Prey with Harley Quinn's emancipation from her relationship with the Joker which is a toxic relationship to say the least um because I've been, wa- I've watched that movie three times, um, and now can- cannot wait for it to come out so I can own it. Um, one of the one of the uh, things that has been great about that is their soundtrack is phenomenal, and it's music that I wouldn't typically listen to. So I'm reviewing in part the entire album, uh, Birds of Prey, not the not the original score, but the actual album of a compilation, of, the soundtrack. Uh, the soundtrack, yeah, and um, so. Um and so but there's this one song I mean the whole album is great and it's basically electro pop um hip hop rap like and some rock thrown in there but it's mostly hip hop and, and electro pop um and and there's so many different good songs. One of the songs that I really really liked was called "Invisible Chains." Uh, it really resonated with me. Um, so so here's the uh, lyrics. It's from Lauren Jourguay. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's pronounced Uruguay or um, I don't know how that's pronounced. Yeah. All right, Lauren, whoever. Uh, but she's, she's awesome, and we'll post in the episode notes. Um, so she writes, I've been trapped in a cage. Sorrow said I should stay, but I found beauty in this pain. Gave me strength to break these invisible chains. This ain't over yet. Still got demons in my head. Uh, cold sweat in my bed. Whoa. Don't want to get used to screaming in my sleep like every night, just praying on the day when I see the light. About a hundred miles deep, but I'm feeling like I'm running out of time. I've been trapped in a cage. Sorrow said I should stay, but I found beauty in this pain. Gave me strength to break these invisible chains. Whoa. Um, still tasting metal. It lingers on my lips. Let it, I let it taunt me so I don't ever forget all of the battles. I'm a walk through the fire and the shadows. Yeah. around and get handled. Yeah. But I'm not going back to screaming in my sleep like every night. I keep running on my way I can see the light Got a hundred miles left And I'm feeling like I might stay alive I've been trapped in a cage Sorrow said I should stay But I found beauty in this pain Gave me strength to break these invisible chains Like, so it's it's this It's it's this um, It's it's really this song of, of, like, really being in a bad place uh, Probably in a relationship She's talking about it But I could, I could think of it, like, in terms of um, you know, we, beyond relationships, that what we go through—the the wandering in the wilderness, lost and alone—to go into Lent, you know, lost and alone, wandering in the wilderness, trying to get out. Uh, everything telling me to keep doing what I'm doing to keep me in, but Jesus is breaking those invisible chains. So you can totally pull a spiritual message from this, even though she's talking about being stuck in a, a toxic relationship. So nice. I, it's a beautiful song if you haven't heard it. Uh, definitely check it, out. I'll post, check it out. Post it. Post it. Yeah.
0: So, uh, there's a bunch of stuff I've been been listening to lately, uh, but figured I'd do, I don't know if you've heard of 10th Avenue North. Uh, Yeah, I have. a contemporary Christian band. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it kind of goes with the season of Lent. Uh, It's a song called Greater Than My Regrets. Mm. Um, I just was on on YouTube watching videos, and it... Popped up, and I watched it. The video is actually pretty cool. It's cool the singer, but it's reversed. So it's an old, old guy. It starts with an old guy laying on the ground. Yeah. And then, as a, as the video goes, he basically it's all in reverse. So you see him walking back into the house backwards. And as he walks through the house, he as he age progresses, but he goes from an old man, right, right. to middle age, to the singer, to a teenager, to a young boy. Wow, okay. Yeah. yeah, cool, cool. So the, these are the lyrics. Um, <clears throat> when, my pa- when the past comes to haunt me, it tells me what I've done. It reminds me what I've, what's gone wrong. When my sins are laid before me, my Lord, you take them on. Yes, my Lord, you take them on. So if I fall and if I fall, I will trust your mercy is greater than all of this. And if I bend and if I break, I'll trust the hands that hold me are greater than all my regrets. You're greater than all my regrets. You are greater than all my regrets. You are, you are. Mm. Father, I know I break your heart when I choose my way, when I doubt your love, but you take me as I am, a child. Yeah, you whisper in my ear, let's get up and try again. So if I fall and if I fall, I will trust your mercy is greater than all of this. And if I bend and if I break, I'll trust the hands that Hold me are greater than all my regrets. You are greater than all my regrets. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of goes with um, the season of Lent. Uh, sure. The other, I actually have two songs.
1: Okay. okay. After I did my like two hour spiel <laughs> on DC Comics, yeah. <laughs> you could do four songs soon.
0: <laughs> um, so Jason Gray. Oh, okay. I like Jason Gray. Um, has a new album coming out. He's, he's done a Order, reorder, disorder. Mm-hmm. So he's done order, disorder, and now he's doing reorder. Sure, sure. Uh, so he has a song on that new album called um, Remind Me That You're Here. Ooh. Yeah. So, um, and uh, actually, Allison shared it with me. And she posted it on Facebook and tagged me and said, um, at least I have someone who understands what this song means. Mm-hmm. Um... And it's kind of another Lent kind kind of thing. Sure. Um, <clears throat> none of my pain has ever caught you by surprise. Still, it's hard to trust you when I'm lost in the wandering, the wondering why. But I'll trade every question just to lay down and rest in your heart. And I'll reach for your hand, though you lead me here into the dark. And I won't ask you for reasons, because a reason can't wipe away the tears. No, I don't need all the answers. Just be here beside me, Father. Remind me you are here. If it's random or providence, neither are a comfort to me. Are you cruel if you planned it, or weak if you allowed it to be? Half of me is still believing, the other half is angry and confused. Oh, but all of me is desperate and longing to be held by you. And then it repeats the... uh the chorus when he says, "Get me out of my mind and into your arms, where hope comes alive and fear falls apart." Mm.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I love, that. I love that
0: line. Get me out of my head. Yeah, yeah. Get me out of my heart. Get At- me out of my mind. Absolutely. Um, wow. Two
1: great offerings. So. Oh, three if you count mine. Yep. I'll have to. Um, I'll. I'll Two great
0: and a uh, third. Okay.
1: I'll share my uh, that album with you so you can check it out. It is not probably an album that either you or I would typically, or style of music that you or I would typically go into and listen, but it's been bringing the bad girl out of me.
0: <laughs> yes, girl, yes. Yeah.
1: So, uh, yeah, alright. Well, um, then I guess that brings us to our most fa- favorite segment, which is Shithouse Theology. Oh man, that stinks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's that smell? <laughs>
1: okay, so for uh, shit house theology, what are we talking about, Sal?
0: So I thought we'd talk about happened uh, in the news recently mm-hmm. and uh, on social media. We seem to get a lot of our shit house theology from social media. Mm. Um, as you all may know, I don't think I'm shocking anyone by saying that we're in a presidential election year. <gasps> Scott is very surprised. It's like he <laughs> didn't realize that. Um, I've been in a coma, man. Like for Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> yep. I don't want to remember what's been going on the last four years. But hey, so, you know what? <laughs> so anyway, we are in a election cycle. And um, there was recently a um, Democratic yeah. debate. Uh, and Elizabeth Warren was asked what her motto is. Mm. Uh, I think a couple of the candidates were. Um, yeah, all of them on that yep. stage were. Yep. And uh, I know Pete Buttigieg also talked about his faith. Um, but Elizabeth Warren talked about her faith, and I believe she was a Sunday school teacher at some point. Or like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so she said her motto is Matthew 25. Whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done
1: yeah, to me. Yeah, that's exactly what she said.
0: Yeah. Um, but... But can you guess what happened on social media?
1: Well, first off, it, it need to be said that her quoting of it was "the least of these you've done to thine brethren, you've done unto me." Yes. Um, and, and you know, in the King James version, that was a little facetious. Sorry, but um, she, re- she she recited it in the King James version, and um,
0: so yeah. Can you guess what happened? What happened, Sal? So. Now, we're going to be equal opportunity uh, offenders here. Oh, we're flushing the toilet. We're flushing the toilet. Yeah, big time. And we're getting out that brush and we're cleaning We're using it. the eco number two. Yes, the eco number two and we're getting out the uh, toilet brush and scrubbing the, the side of the toilet. With some tidy bowl. <laughs> With some tiny bowl. Um, all right. So, I'll, we'll, we'll go after the, the progressives first. So, the progressives, of course, then said, well, I saw two responses from the progressives. I saw a lot of separation of church and state.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. That yeah. doesn't
0: stop a candidate from having a Yeah,
1: faith. because you know, now in order to be a candidate, now in order to be a candidate, the litmus test is you have to be an atheist. Yes. You can you can't have your own personal religious beliefs. Yes. <laughs> Come on, um, folks. <laughs> but what I saw
0: from the progressive Christians was she used the wrong translation.
1: <laughs> so, you mean to tell me that progressives don't like the King James
0: Bible. I don't like the King James. Oh my James God! Bible. And I saw responsible. Didn't they people. know
1: Jesus spoke in
0: Old English? I mean, if it was good enough for Jesus, <laughs> it was good enough for King James.
1: That's a, exactly.
0: What do they What do they think about Shakespeare? <laughs> well, <laughs> he's almost as biblical. Almost, almost as biblical. So yeah, they were upset that he did not. She didn't use a more modern, inclusive mm. translation.
1: And then there was the
0: conservative.
1: And side there's of the things, conservative side. Which is which is she's a progressive. She can't be Christian.
0: <laughs> she can't be a Christian. Does do uh, what they were read? happy with the translation, by the way. They were. <laughs> but the the rote response that I saw was, does that include babies? Yeah, yeah. Does that include babies? Yeah.
1: Because she's a she's a proponent of because she supports pro choice, pro choice, and uh, you know women's. Uh, Right to choose. Right to choose Reproductive
0: health and all that.
1: Yeah. And so here we have two extremes attacking the same person. They're almost, it's it's funny because they're on two extremes and yet they're almost joined together in attacking her. Yeah. For different reasons. For different reasons, but they're both attacking her. (laughs) What's that tell you about the extreme? (laughs) The extremes, right? It's like uh,
0: everything's black or white. There's no gray.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, like, like. The fact is, folks, um, she's a Christian. That is her motto that she lives by. It doesn't matter what damn translation she decides to quote it in. Um, and and let's put it this way, progressives, you know, they talk about including inclusion. Inclusion is so important. Let's include people, unless they don't act, speak, talk, or think like we do. Which is, by the way, exclusivity. exclusivity. <laughs> it's, it's, let's exclude people, but we're going to shift who we're excluding. We're going to shift on who we're excluding. That's all it is. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then on the conservative side, of course, it's the same old, same old, you know, like, hey, you know, Jesus and the early church didn't set up any doctrines on modern issues, but we're going to tell people that they can't be Christian if they think like this act like this speak like
0: this. I think I equated it to you to you earlier it's essentially our modern equivalent of fencing the table like mm-hmm. we're, we're weaponizing the table yeah of who we include or exclude yeah yeah um, well if we're a progressive church we we'll, we'll include. All folks to the table, except for the conservatives.
1: Except for the conservatives, right? And vice versa. And vice versa, yep, yep. Um, And all in the name of the love of Jesus. All in the the love in the name of Jesus, yeah. Um, Um, So, there we have it. There you have it. That is... That is a double flush right now. And uh, if we could do the sound effects of someone scrubbing the toilet, and you never know, I may edit that in there. Um... Okay, so that brings us to our main segment. We're moving right along here yeah, today, moving so uh, that brings us to our next segment: vent or repent? Vent or repent? And so we have a couple of things, a few few things actually, to talk about uh, in this Lenten season. So, uh, one of the things that we're going to talk about is uh, we know we have a friend on social media um, whose name may rhyme with. A university by the name of Drew. Um, (laughs) Uh,
0: goes by the pseudonym of Drew McIntyre.
1: Yes, yes, and and uh, his first name is named after a a very, very theologically conservative university, and his last name after an apple. And we've got we've got uh, who we're talking. He's gonna want to kill us. (laughs) He, you know, we we might end up uh, being featured in a. In, in a not-so-fun way in the, uh, the you know, God of Whiskey podcast. Whiskey podcast.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> if, if so, we earned it. Um, but his fav- one of his favorite things to talk about, especially during this time of year at the beginning of Lent, is Ashes to, ashes go. to go. So explain <laughs> what Ashes to Go are, Sal.
0: So Ashes to Go would be, um, and so we see a lot of churches offering this now where... Uh, the pastors or the priest will uh, go to the town square, or go to the corner of where their church is, or go to the mall or the mm-hmm. coffee shop, and be available with ashes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can get ashes on your way to work, or
1: yeah. And I think um, I think Drew's contention with that, and not just Drew. We're picking on Drew, but but Drew's Drew's cool. Um, not just Drew. Other people have this contention. It's like okay, like. We are we bleeding out numbers left and right in the church, um, and we're doing it for the sake. It, well, we're doing it because we're not really taking the gospel seriously. It's like it's like we are instead of countering the culture in meaningful ways, we are becoming like the culture, uh, and in order in the namesake of reaching out to people um, who are not coming to church. And so what that
0: does is keeps people from. Coming to church, meeting, meeting people in the culture rather than giving re- giving them a reason to come.
1: Right, 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 exactly. Community. And so, in, in in our day and age, we have this thing called the culture of convenience, where everybody's on the go. You know, nobody wants to sit and listen to a, uh, a ten or fifteen or twenty minute sermon, let alone a forty five minute sermon, depending on the. St- preacher you've got um and yet we'll go and watch a three-hour movie uh you know called Endgame, and have no problem <laughs> focusing our attention on that right. so so you know we don't want to go to church for an hour but we'll sit for four hours on the sports field while our kids play soccer you know i mean so it's like it's it's you know like a culture of convenience where where we want things to come to us we deliver we have food delivered to our house we have someone shop for us at the supermarket. We have uh, all of these services that 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 cater to our on-the-go lifestyle, and so now the church is starting to do this, to do that as well, where we're going to cater to people who are on the go. So you'll have pastors who sit sit on the corner or stand on the corner of streets and and uh, you know impose ashes. People who are doing it in the mall, people who are doing it uh, in all sorts of places, and the contention from traditionalists at least traditionalists in this in this regard in, in terms of uh, you know liturgy and and uh, theology um, that we are part of a community as the church and so ashes should be, Imposed in the context of the community, where we confess and repent of our sins, both communally and individually, and receive the ashes as a reminder that uh, from dust we came and to dust we shall return. Repent and believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, and and by going out into the street, you're just basically smudging people with ashes with none of that meaning. You know, none of that communal meaning. Uh, uh, you know, present. Right. And so, A, people get their ashes, and B, they don't come to church. Right.
0: Kind of like fast food Christianity.
1: It's like fast food Christianity. Um, uh,
0: but, but okay, so that's one side of it. Now, where I, w- I would contend, and you can add to this as, as a healthcare chaplain, working in a community health care facility um, with several different shifts of employees and residents who are, not able to get to their com- their faith community. Mm-hmm. This is that is the most busy day of my liturgical year. Is Ash Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I was at the hospital, we did over five thousand. We imposed over five thousand ashes. Hmm. Yesterday, <clears throat> along with the Eucharistic ministers from the local parish, we imposed at least a hundred ashes. Yeah. yeah. Um, plus, did two services. Um, one with my, my friend here, Todd. Yeah, and yeah I, I saw you
1: imposing smashes on the go. Yep.
0: Then Todd got to witness it. <laughs> yep. And that was, uh, was right after I did online communion. Yeah, right.
1: Mm-hmm. And I, I had just finished drone baptism, actually.
0: Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I still the- want to pull that off, just for the fun of it. But anyway. You should. <laughs> so I, I would contend, yes, yes, we ideally, we would want to do it in our, in our community of faith where we can be reminded um, collectively. That we do this together as a body of, as the body of Christ, um, and this is kind of a hint to what we'll talk about next month in our next yes. podcast. Um, we have members of our body who are called to vocations that do not allow them necessarily to regularly or faithfully attend church
1: yeah worship yeah absolutely and and if you don't mind sal here's the here's my contention with this okay first off ashes are not a sacrament like in the protestant faith you know you have two sacraments that were instituted by jesus in the protestant faith you have baptism so all jokes aside drone baptism is off (laughs) like it's it's not on the table and uh you have communion online communion not, yeah, on, the not on the table okay so those two are instituted those two are are something that that we need to take seriously and guard because this has been what jesus started and passed down all the way took to us and we need to guard those faithfully now if you're a roman catholic you will have some other sacraments in there none of which are ashes none like a non-catholic can go into a catholic church receive ashes and you know go on with their day. They're not going to be refused ashes. They're not considered a sacrament. They are a symbol, a reminder of, of um, our sinfulness and God's uh, plan out of our sinfulness, which is Jesus Christ. So here's my contention. It's not sacramental. Um, and if we're not out on the streets doing it, right? Are those people showing up to church? Nope. Nope, they're not showing up to church. (laughs) So so they're people we're largely missing because we're confining ourselves inside the church um, where those people aren't coming. Now, somebody could say, well, yeah, you could build relationships with people and bring them in that way, and then they can get their ashes. That's true. You can also build relationships by giving them their ashes, and who knows where that leads down the road. Like, So if I'm standing on a street corner and somebody comes up to me, and asks for ashes, and I start to ask them. You know, uh, you know, I give them ashes, and then have a conversation with them. So, what, what's going on? Is there any way I can pray for you? How can I? How can I be? Able... Right there, you're building a community, mm-hmm. and you never know how God is going to work through that. It's kind of like, it's kind of like um, John Wesley. You know, in his day, it was proper for a preacher to preach inside a, in a church on a pulpit, and to go outside into the field would be scandalous. But guess what? Preaching at the pulpit is not a sacrament. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a, it, was a, it was a tradition and not a bad tradition. It's a good tradition. But Wesley realized that if he was going to bring the good news to the people, he was going to have to leave the pulpit. In fact, he got thrown out of the pulpit in some places and preached out in the open air. And that was scandalous to the preachers in his day. It was scandalous to the institution, but it was blessed to the people and it brought so many people into a more vibrant and re- 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 refined faith uh, because he did that. I look at ashes very much the same way.
0: It didn't, <clears throat> it's not around the time that John Wesley said that the world is my parish. The world c- is my parish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I look to the world as my parish. Yep, yep.
1: Because he because he, he recognized that he wasn't trying to step on people's toes but he wanted to revitalize and revive the church. And there, the, the establishment wasn't going along with him for the ride. And so he wasn't going to allow the establishment. I mean, he stayed very much within the establishment in some ways, in the important ways, so that he wasn't kicked out or defrocked or, or excommunicated. So he stayed within the establishment, but he was constantly pushing the boundaries of the establishment. And I think uh, people doing Ashes to Go is a pushing of the boundaries. It's not, it's not like they're breaking the sacraments or you know doing anything sacrilegious that would get them defrocked or kicked out but it is expanding the boundaries
0: pushing the boundaries yeah so let me ask you what you think about um, glitter ashes what glitter ashes ashes? that's that's too far that's too far yeah I mean
1: okay like I get it you're talking about the the idea of like uh, uh, including everybody kind of thing like the lgbt lg the uh, alphabet, yeah. Um, you're, so you're talking about that kind of thing. I get it, and I don't think that someone's soul is uh, saved or damned over it. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's like we. You know what? To me, it is everybody, no matter what they identify as, in the Ash ones, in Ash on Ash Wednesday throughout the whole year for that matter everybody in the Christian church Paul says there is neither Jew nor Gentile neither free nor slave neither male and female all are one in Christ Jesus and what we've done is we've built uh, we've built this whole culture on identity and that's good to an extent because every one of us identifies differently but on another extent um, what it does is it further separates us and for, and makes us forget that despite all of these identities, we have one true identity right. in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I'm going to get you know glitter ashes imposed on me because I'm gay or I'm trans or I'm whatever. And but over there they're going to get the traditional ashes because they're not. I mean it's, it's kind of silly. I mean, no,
0: nothing connects communities whether it's LGBTQA, straight, whatever. More than coming together and acknowledging our mortality and our... Strife. Right, right. We're <clears> all <throat> mortal.
1: And the last I checked, when we turn into ash at the end, it's not glitter. It's not glitter. It's not glitter. Yeah, the rain, The rainbow is not there. Um, we're human. That's at, what it is. We're
0: human. At the root of our connectedness is our, human. our humanness. Yeah, our humanness. Now,
1: I am. I am an ally... I, I support in full inclusion. Um, what's going on in our church and in our world uh, oh, yeah. angers me, uh, more so in the church than our world, because our world is getting on board with it, at least our American world. Um, but nothing, in, nothing, um, nothing angers me more than the fact that we're excluding people. But I don't think we need to have glitter ashes to include them. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's just yeah. a, it's carrying it too far.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, what's next? you get rainbow water for baptism. I mean, like, you know, it's it's like, you know, I get it, I don't judge it, but I am i wouldn't do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, neither would I. I would wear a rainbow stole. While I, I would wear actions.
1: a rainbow stole while I,
0: yeah, absolutely. In fact, I did on Tuesday, on Fat Tuesday. Yeah, yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, that's fine, you know. Um, uh, and and I, I don't think, you know, it's kind of like a church that's traditional that tries to go contemporary for the sake of drawing the young folks in, but they suck at contemporary <laughs> You're not going to draw the young folks in. People are going to sniff that faux, that faux uh, uh, mask in a heartbeat. Um, just be yourself. You know, like you're not going to attract uh, LGBTQ people by. You know, imposing glitter, uh, you know, rainbow glitter ashes on them. You're going to attract them by be, being genuinely open and inclusive. And they will gladly, I'm sure, accept regular ashes at your Ash Wednesday service. I just, I don't, I don't see the, I don't see the, the, the point. I mean, this is us basically imposing glitter ashes on them. Uh, they're not asking for glitter ashes. It's the last I checked. Maybe some are, but, I, you know, whatever. <laughs>
0: So Todd now that we've uh, we've vented and repented about um, ashes to go, um, another thing we thought about venting and repenting about is Lenten hymns. Oh Lenten hymns
1: yes yes so I think um, you know in line with what go- in line with what we have during during advent you know like uh, there's this great demand. Um, there's this great demand that we sing nothing but Christmas. Hymns and carols all the way through uh, Advent. So I'm proposing that on day one, March first, which is the first Sunday in Lent, we should sing nothing but Easter hymns all the way throughout Lent, all six weeks of Lent, all Holy Week, all the way to uh, Sunday. And on Sunday, of course, sing Easter Easter hymns. Um, You know, because because you know that's what we're coming to church for is to sing the Easter hymns. Who
0: cares about Lent, right? so, uh, what does that say about the whole season of Lent? <laughs> what? But but we come to church
1: not for Lent. We come to church for Easter. So let's. <laughs> okay, I'm being facetious here. But the, but the the reality is is nothing aggravates me more during Advent than people getting upset that I'm not playing Christmas song. Michelle, Hi guys! hey, yes, this is our most rockin' bartender. Thank you. Thank you. you. <laughs> um, so um and cheers cheers okay we're now on to a stout so um anyway um so so, I totally lost my train of thought but basically you know nothing aggravates me more during during uh uh advent than people just being upset that we're not singing Christmas songs the whole time and we they people want to skip right over advent and just go to Christmas and I get it you know it's an exciting holiday and, and people have emotional and familial ties to it but it is that is commercialization is it not like it's like it's like taking the, the Christian faith and bending it toward the culture in a way that commercializes it and gives people a product rather than the gospel of Jesus Christ and we can't have Christmas without Advent we can't have Christmas without journeying through the reason for the season And the reason for the season is that the world is dark and broken, and without Jesus Christ, we're going to hell in a handbasket.
0: And it's not just about getting ready for Christmas. It's about getting New York ready for his second coming. Right.
1: It's for his second coming. Right. And same thing with Easter. Now, in Easter, we don't have this problem. People are fine with you doing whatever hymns you could do, whatever hymns you wanted to, but Christmas hymns, and people would be happy. I think if you did Christmas hymns during the Lenten season, people would be upset about that. But, but, but. You know, like, my my contention is if we're going to sing Christmas songs throughout Advent, well, then why don't we sing Easter songs throughout Lent? Like, who needs
0: Lent? Yeah. What's the point of uh, reflecting on your own mortality and sinfulness if you're not going right. to deal with it? Exactly. Because doesn't that kind of, if you're not reflecting on that, doesn't that kind of negate the whole point of Easter oh it, it does kind
1: of negate the whole point of Easter yeah absolutely just like if you were to negate the darkness of the world it it negates the whole point of yeah. Christmas yeah so uh, sorry but I'm not gonna repent on that I'm gonna vent we're gonna vent <laughs> yeah
0: <coughs> I got I got known I, I a church I used to uh, I did some some pulpit supply at a, at a church last year rather regularly while they were in between pastors okay and uh one of the uh one of the elders in the churches was was on com with me committee on ministry and uh so and it happened to be during lent and right around easter actually it was the sunday after easter okay because i preached on the emmaus road Mm, um and, I, and so every time I preached there after that, it became, it became a joke, okay. air quote. That, and I told them, every time I come to this church and I'm in your pulpit, I'm going to preach about resurrection. Amen, amen. Because um, uh, someone made a comment. They saw my, um, <laughs> my, ta- my tattoos, my Jerusalem cross, and my Cairo. Yeah. And then they heard my sermon and they said, you're really Christocentric. Oh God forbid! Don't and be Christocentric. I, I, I kind of, I, I said, um, I'm in a Christian pulpit. <laughs> I, I was like, I hope I am.
1: This is the ridiculousness of the church, and so that had to have been a progressive so and so, who you know don't 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 mention Christ. I just actually, am using a, a liturgy throughout Lent, a candle liturgy um and I had to change it it was ri- it was written by um, it's called spirituality something or other and it was from a process relational theology and they every time they talked about Jesus it was either the story that happened long ago but is still powerful today or they ta- or they talked about how you know God saves us and Jesus taught us the way and I'm like uh,
0: no, Jesus is God.
1: <laughs> like, Jesus is the way. He didn't teach us the way. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, so I had to rewrite that. I mean, it was beautiful liturgy, but I had to bring it back to Christocentrism because, you know, we get wishy-washy on it. Um, but that brings me to something else, Sal, that I, I think I'm going to trigger you on. So so uh, let's see. We... we We've kind of vented on Ashes to Go. We've vented on um, hymns. We haven't repented thus far, and I don't know that we will. So let's talk about Easter bunnies.
0: Commercialization. Hey, Easter bunnies. Um, Yeah, Easter to a lesser lesser degree than Christmas. Uh, But Easter, uh, for sure, has become a commercialized um, holiday. Yeah, yeah. Um I don't want to say it's almost become a it, well in a way it's become a civic holiday because everybody gets off mm-hmm. for Easter and Christmas mm-hmm. yep. whether you're a Christian or not regardless. Yep. So just by the nature of the um, us being part of the predominant religion of the the land,
1: yeah, it's become
0: a civic holiday. Because it's become a civic holiday, you see more and more um, I call it hallmark moments mm-hmm. for the holiday. And for Easter, it's uh, Easter eggs. Yeah, canary. Yep. <laughs> and uh, Easter bunnies, chocolate. Yep. yep. Um, and uh, I'm sure that we wipe out half the cocoa supply just for for Easter. We, we probably uh, do wipe out
1: half the cocoa supply and the indigenous farmers that, that grow them for <laughs>
0: Easter for Easter and think about that for chocolate that probably will be half eaten if that and thrown away I mean there's so much waste involved in our Christmas and Easter that Um, is why
1: I'm making a motion that we we eliminate and ban chocolate from Easter and only eat peeps I could get down to
0: that. I actually enjoy peeps.
1: I love peeps. That was one of my favorite things, stale or otherwise. Stale <laughs> they were almost always stale the second you opened them. <laughs> this is
0: the whole thing. You can't go wrong with sugar covered stale marshmallows. No, right?
1: no, because the, the by the time the, by the time you hit the marshmallow, the sugar has enraptured you and the saliva has made it less stale. <laughs> it's yeah. My apologies to anyone listening to this right now. I hope you're not eating.
0: So my venting my about the commerciality of Easter and Christmas is, yeah, I think it takes away from the, the legit theological and spiritual mm-hmm. ramifications of the holiday and the season before, the season of preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, um, now that I'm theologically trained and I'm actively in ministry, while I was going through ministry training or seminary training right after seminary I worked and actually in college as well I worked in retail sure a lot of people work in retail Um, I worked as a um, assistant manager at a record store right after um, seminary okay and I went from hating the holidays because I had to work to hating the holidays because I have to work (laughs) but for different reasons right like I there was there was years I didn't spend Christmas Eve with my family because I had to work Christmas Eve. Selling people I can relate with that. Selling people $5 CDs that their loved one is going to maybe listen to Mm -hmm. five times and throw away. And I just felt like it takes away from I understand the history and the culture around we needed things to connect people to the holiday and Mm -hmm. ways to educate and reinforce and Symbols to remind people of the holiday, but of course um, with, our, with our culture now our our country or society is moving away from the church um, I Find it's I don't know about you as a church pastor but having to teach people the very basics about what Ash Wednesday is, what yes, Lent is. Yes. Do Episcopalians celebrate Ash Wednesday? And this was from an Episcopalian.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, and there are non denominational churches that don't celebrate Lent at all. Yeah.
0: They just jump right to Easter. Our good friend Ryan, who was on our podcast a yeah. couple episodes ago. Yeah. Not not
1: Not that he does not that he doesn't recognize the importance of it, but his church the, the, just yeah. the, the yeah. church he grew up in. Hey Ryan, by the way. How you doing, Ryan? <laughs> But yeah, I mean, uh, so and, and you know, different strokes for different folks, you know, and and I and, I, and I'm sure. Um, rather than calling it Lent, I'm sure Ryan does talk about all of those those themes throughout that, that, that period leading up to Easter because otherwise, without the themes of being in the wilderness, of being separated from God, without being you know, alone Easter really means nothing, so I'm sure he's preaching it, but they don't, they don't have they don't have the um, they don't liturgically mark the mark the, the calendar that way, yeah yeah. which I, you know, I get, but, but I would imagine the themes are all still there um, but yeah, you you know, and I'm sure uh, in, in whether it's a non-denominational church or a mainline church or or a Catholic church, I mean, you're constantly having to um, educate the people on it. One of the things the Catholic Church does very well, actually, um, now we can equip with their theology on certain things. But one of the things they do really well is they educate they educate their laity. Like my daughter. Uh, Just went to a campus Catholic campus ministry. Uh, Sorry for putting you on the spot here, Katie. But uh, she went to a campus ministry and um, and you know she she went to a Bible study and the priest you know would talk about the story that they were reading in the scripture and actually break it down to in a way that she actually understood what was going on there in context. And it's like I've never you know because. Because she doesn't, you know, that's what I do when I lead Bible studies as well. But she, you know, me being her dad, she hasn't been in my Bible studies. But any of the Bible studies that she's been in, uh, that's not what they've done. They've talked about it in general, and she didn't really learn about the text itself. Catholics are very good about doing that. Um, It's funny. The funny thing is, I've heard Catholics say they're not—they don't promote necessarily reading the Bible on your own, but they will bring you into a group and teach you the Bible.
0: And that comes out of the history of. for yeah. 1,500 years, the church laity was not literate. Mm-hmm. They had to break it down and explain They broke it. it down for you. Right, right. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, that's what I loved about yesterday, doing Ash Wednesday at my community, was the uh, past couple of years, I've had a, a local deacon come in from the Catholic Church, and we he would lead a uh, imposition of ashes service for the Catholic residents, and then we would go out together and Sorry. impose ashes. So this year, he couldn't make it up, so... Um, the Eucharistic ministers came and took ashes to the rooms, and I did. I basically did what he would have done—a quick little 20-minute service of imposition. You know, yeah. I downloaded it from a Catholic website. Um, looks just like what we did at the, Ca- the Episcopal Church last night. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I let it, and I was talking with one of the Catholic residents, and he was like, oh. "Like," and so I had—I did have my full band collar on, mm-hmm. but. He's like, oh, you're doing the service. I said, yeah. He's like, great. And so we had a five-minute conversation about, yeah, I don't get why there's all this kerfuffle and discussion and debate about it. It's, this, is <laughs> yeah, it yeah. this, is, this is a tradition of the church. Yeah, regardless. It wasn't a Protestant versus Yes. This is a tradition of the church. Yeah. And then I had, out of the service that you assisted with, or you led mm-hmm. later in the day, as I went to around... To impose ashes, of course, I got the oh no 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 I'm Baptist yeah um or as I went through the building oh no I thought that's a Catholic thing truth be
1: told Sal imposed ashes on me I did rock on I imposed
0: ashes on Todd and I went to church later then you went England. to church
1: and had them imposed on you and yeah. I went to church and imposed them on others yep. yeah
0: so uh, but yeah every Ash Wednesday I have to have that disc- uh, that I have to educate my residents of no this is not a Catholic thing this is a Christian thing it's a Christian thing yeah, um, yeah. I had a conversation with a uh, Catholic president recently uh, who was leaving the facility, but she wanted to thank me because I I walked with her and her family with the death of her husband. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And uh, she said, thank you for being president. I really learned a lot about your religion. (laughs) And in my mind, I said, Christianity? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But to her, and that's the flip side of the Catholic church being so well at educating their laity is that they were also educated that Anything outside the Catholic Church is is, not, is a different religion. A different it's
1: not. Religion. It's not the true Christian religion. Yeah. Right. Right. I
0: mean, there's flip side to everything.
1: Yeah, and and she probably actually didn't mean that in any sort of Negative like you're way. not a Christian way, but it's a force of habit. Yeah. 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 Um, or maybe she did mean it that way. Who knows? I mean, different different strokes for different folks. I found Catholics on either side of that. Yeah. Um, uh, I do have to joke because uh, ki- uh, my daughter said that. Um, when she told the priest, uh, who I guess is a younger guy from Poland, uh, told the priest that her father was a yeah. Methodist minister, he's like, "Um, is your dad gonna kill me that you're coming to this?"
0: <laughs> She's like, No, nah, you're all good." <laughs> yeah. that was actually the funny thing last night. I, uh, I, I left, left work, and I drove up to Warwick where we attend uh, church out of the out of Episcopal Church with my wife. And I I took my collar off because I was wearing the Episcopal band collar. I took it off, just had the shirt on, still had my, my thumb was still black. Uh, So I I went through the service. We go up for the imposition of ashes, and uh, as I get up, as the pre, we have a new interim rector. Mm. And he starts to go, remember your dust. He's like, I know that shirt. (laughs) And remember your dust. Yeah, yeah, he totally called you out. He called me out, so... He did the uh, passing of the piece. He's like, you have to tell me about that. Awesome, cool. awesome. So I was found out. I had to tell him on Presbyterian clergy and
1: all but, over again. All over because here. you have an interim but, priest. Yeah, but
0: he seems like a really cool guy. So.
1: Awesome, and um, this will bring us full circle in terms of ashes. Um, I had somebody come yes. yesterday who wanted me to. Yeah. Imp- Impose ashes because he had to work and couldn't come to the servi- service. And uh, his family actually did come to the service, but he had to work. So there again is ashes on the go. I mean, yep. he physically came to the church building, but I imposed them. We talked a little bit, and out the door he went.
0: Yeah. I know, but there's the our building undergoing construction, and the, the construction foreman. Last year and this year sought me out because he's working, but he wants he's a Catholic and he needs he wanted to get his ashes. Yeah, he wanted to get his ashes. So so to me, this is where I think we can
1: be so set in stone on things, on tradition. This is what the great thing about Wesley was, is Wesley didn't just focus on on scripture. It was scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. And all of those things are used to come to come up with you know biblical scriptural tr- truth. Right. You know to understand scripture in the light of those yeah. other things. And
0: yep. we we're actually
1: discussing that this morning
0: at our clergy group. mine in the past. Yeah. Mainline churches are realizing that. Oh, there was 1,500 years of tradition mm-hmm. before the Reformation that we threw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, yeah. That we're now re-engaging in re-learning. Yeah. On the flip side, as, as pointed out there was some pretty there was some also some ugly stuff that we need to do absolutely the funny
1: thing is 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 if we consider the Catholic Church to be a part of the Church Catholic and I do um, obviously um, they have Eucharistic ministers that go out and give it guess what ashes on the That's <laughs> right <laughs> they come they come to places where people can't
0: come to the church and they, they impose the ashes and guess what the the Methodist and the Presbyterian churches have chaplains who administer ashes on their go. Yeah, yeah.
1: so, uh, so I, I think, Sal, to bring this to a conclusion, I think we have found ourselves venting rather than repenting today. That's right.
0: <laughs> um, if we do repent, we have to get a... Uh, I don't see any plants around here. Oh, uh, we have to confess our sins to plants. <laughs> There's one right behind you. Okay. <laughs> hey, you know what? We're gonna do a selfie right
1: now, live on the air. This is a first for a party on JohnCast, and you will see the plant we're about to confess our sins to. So, are you ready for the cell? I'm ready. All right. All right, and there it is, plant and all. We will post that in the episode notes. Um, so. <laughs> And we will pray to, the, uh, to the, the plant and confess our sins that we have not repented but have only vented during the opening of Lent. That's
0: right. Uh,
1: but I guess that brings us to our conclusion. Uh, so I would like to invite you to check out our episode notes uh, where we have uh, lots of links galore, the ones that I can remember to put in there. Um, we're going to have that picture uh, we're going to have music videos and, what? well, we're not going to really have what we're drinking, but we'll have where we're drinking it. Yep. Um, and so, um, yeah, uh, this has been an excellent, uh, good, yet again, an excellent podcast yep. out in the community. So It's like we know what we're doing now. It's kind of like we know what we're doing. So, hey, Sal. What, Todd? Make sure that when you go forth from this place, you and all who listen to you be excellent to each other. And don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. Rock on. Rock on.